Hello and welcome to the Boss Podcast. This is episode 65 and I am Kirk Bailey, your guide and concierge for all things boss. Join me this week as we visit a talk from 2020 as Natalie Nagel and Peldy talk about remote working. The Business of Software podcast, sharing sessions from our conferences and discussions with software people that will make you think. Find out more at businessofsoftware.org. Even fully remote companies who have been doing asynchronised work for decades have had to change the way they worked when the pandemic hit. In this talk, Peldy and Natalie discuss the basics of working from home and remote team navigation, as well as some of the things you should consider when your team choose or are forced to work remotely. Both Natalie and Peldy have been on the podcast before, and both are titans of remote working. But even the most experienced and capable can be hit by a few curveballs no one's seen coming. Happy listening. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the, uh, I guess, the the, the, the basics, uh, the, the kind of remote working 101. I know, Peldy, you've been uh, in the Slack channel, you've shared a few things and uh, taken uh, a few questions from uh, people, but uh, I'm going to try and uh, get involved as little as possible in this because uh, A, I'm going to be frantically taking notes, even though I would remind you that we are recording everything. So uh, we will make the uh, talks and things available um, as, uh, as normal to people. Um, also remind you that we have um, collaborative notes and the URL for those is bit.ly. It's a bit.ly link and it's all lowercase, boss2020 notes. So BOS or lowercase, 2020 and numbers, notes, N-O-T-E-S in lowercase. And uh, you can uh, also talk and chat and ask questions in Slack. Um, if anybody has any specific questions that they would like answering, uh, they can uh, put something into the chat space uh, or you can uh, put questions into Q&A. But uh, uh, who's, who's going to raise their hand to to kick off and just uh, give people a little bit of context about your situation, um, how you, you know, how you're set up, and uh, what you'd like to to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I can. Uh, we'll start. So, Wildbit uh, turns twenty in October, and so it started. Uh, thanks. And so, the entire twenty years, it's been a remote company. So, we've been doing this for quite some time. I think I wanted to make sure that as we talk today, we're conscious of the fact that this is not normal. So that even for us, you know, fully remote teams, this is not. Uh, business as usual. I get all these calls all the time from friends who are big corporate companies that have just started to work remote and they're like, oh, you must be doing so great. And I was like, no, no, we're all just as panicked as you are and trying to figure out how to make all of this make sense. We have, everybody's got their kids running around at home behind them and uh, there's no help. So I think if we focus today, I'm, I'd love to talk about remote in general, but I also want to be conscious of some of the things that we do in business as usual is not happening right now. Uh, and so I think like from a, from the perspective of helping and being valuable today, you know, I'm happy to answer questions on even how we're, we've adjusted to make sure that this is actually functioning uh, in the climate that we're in right now. And we can also talk about remote in general as well. So we're remote, uh, we're all over the world. Uh, we have um, 
folks, you know, most of what we do is asynchronous. So, you know, we are set up kind of naturally to do this type of work, but, you know, I can answer questions and also just talk about how things have been different. Great, thank you. And uh, if anybody's come here to follow up on, I think there was an article in the Wall Street Journal a couple of weeks ago about how people can manage remote working. And uh, it had all sorts of great tips, like you can set up a webcam so you can take pictures of your employees whenever you feel like, whether they know you're there or not, uh, and various things. I have really, really, really bad news for you. Um, we're not going to be much help because I think, um, as you say, this is uh, not normal remote working, number one. Um, and number two, I don't think that's any way to work anyway. I'm not sure if anyone's going to uh, take a, a, a strong uh, opposing view on that. Um, but uh, Peldy. Yes, it's very similar here. We've been uh, around uh, 11 years and uh, remote from the beginning. Um, and uh, like Natalie said, it's not the same. People are stressed out, people are distracted. You're distracted and stressed out. Uh, there's no difference there, really. Uh, so I, I, I'm very interested in, uh, in learning from Natalie what they did to adjust. But if people also have some more basic questions about how to go from having an office to being remote, we can definitely talk about that too. For sure. So Natalie, what did you do to, uh, to help your team right now? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest, uh, the question that people keep asking a lot is around productivity and like, how do you stay productive? And I, I feel like there has to be like a before COVID and after COVID answer to that question. So we look at productivity very differently right now. And the way I've shared with my team is uh, kind of what, I, what I've asked them to do is look at Wildbit as it needs to be today and not Wildbit what it was before this whole thing started. So like we don't have to be as productive and doing all the same projects that we were doing before this whole thing kicked off. We need to look at it today and say what's really important today and then let's put everything else aside. So from a productivity standpoint, we've really just kind of lowered the bar pretty dramatically on like what needs to get done and the type of work that needs to get done. So just like as an example, you know, uh, for a lot of the team, like two working parents, kids at home, for the foreseeable future, they need to be somehow homeschooled. None of us are homeschooling, you know, so there's, like, you have to like add all this combination of things. So one of the first things we did is really just encourage everybody to just take the time that they need this last week and this week and figure out what's a schedule that's reasonable or that functions uh, well. So Wildbit only does 32 hour work weeks. So we don't normally work on Fridays anyway. So that kind of helps, but kind of just starting to look at internally the schedules and seeing how people can split things up. We have some, some folks on our team who really just said like, I'll take two hours in the morning and then two hours later in the afternoon and then their spouse or partner takes the other two hours, you know, kind of just tag teaming. That seems to work decently well. It's not, it, it's hard because then you got to move meetings around and things that have been consistently on the schedule. And then from a what we're doing perspective, we're, we really just internally said, uh, let's examine what focus work, what deep work is really necessary right now. 
So, you know, for us, one of our big kind of tenants of what we do is really optimize focus work. And it's kind of why remote work works so well and why I, I, I promote remote work so much is because it enables this opportunity to do deep work in a short amount of time so you don't have to work as hard, right? Or work as long. And so that deep work requires focus at time and space and, and mentally to be there. And so we just assume that there's just not a lot of space in our minds for that right now. And so as a team, we're looking at like what actually requires focus work, like what work do we need to do right now to move things forward? So we had a bunch of projects in the works. We were supposed to launch several big projects in April uh, that we've been really pushing hard towards. And we kind of just said, you know what, let's finish what feels like we can get done, like just to get it kind of over. We're not going to launch anything big for a while. And then let's examine projects that don't require deep work. Uh, we have a bajillion help docs to update. We have, uh, you know, process things we want to think about. There's maybe cleanup and bugs and things like that. And so we're just looking at it and say, what's work that we can do that's smaller scale, that's still productive because everybody wants to feel good and do something. And like, we're not, you know, and, and we want to be ready for when things start opening up and we're ready to go again. But let's not do anything that we know we're not going to do well, <laughs> you know, or that we're, we're struggling with. So that's kind of been the, the twofold approach. And I also keep saying, you know, and this is maybe very personal to me, but part of me believes that uh, the uh, uncertainty is really what's causing a lot of the, the, this, this mental load. And so at least like in the States, there's just, there's a lot of, what, what are they going to say tomorrow? What are they going to say tomorrow? And there's a part of me and Pelly, I'd love to hear how it's happening in Italy. Maybe this isn't part of this conversation. I'm just super curious, but you know, is there a point where we're kind of like, all right, we're going to sit put for the next 90 days, you know? And then I think a shift will be able to happen where people can say, okay, this is the new normal. Like we know, like right now we don't even know how long schools are going to stay closed, you know? So once that kind of transitions, I think we'll have a regroup in what productivity looks like what the team's working on, how we collaborate together. But right now we've just really released and said, let's just, let's just do what feels good and just support ourselves as much as we can. Uh, that's great. Peldi, I'd love you to uh. answer the same question, but uh, I think given where you are in Italy, um, people will be interested to know a little bit about that kind of more general zeitgeist of, of what's been what's been happening and uh i think you've you've been experiencing a few things in advance of other other people so um let's focus on the good things that are going to come out of that but <laughs> i mean it sounds sounds like things are calmer now yeah so it's interesting how um psychologically while it was still in china nobody really was afraid of it then when it starts arriving that's when really the panic happens but then as soon as it's all around you, now it's not panic anymore. It's more of a low key uh, anxiety, uh, but, um, but it's not as intense, um, but it's, it's very distracting and nevertheless. Um, so yeah, we've been in lockdown since March 10th uh, as a country. And so on March 9th, I was just looking up on Slack. I told the team, if this is causing you stress and personal errands, don't hesitate for a second and slow down your balsamic work. Um, we, uh, balsamic, but I think in general, the people that come to boss are very uh, privileged because we don't usually have uh, too many people breathing down our necks to ship, 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 grow, grow, grow. We all built sustainable businesses. So 
we can afford to slow down for a couple of months uh, in the grand scheme of things, nothing's going to really, uh, the, the company is not going to go bankrupt, which I realize it's an incredible uh, privilege that we have as uh, software uh, entrepreneurs. Um, so then, um, so I told everybody to work less. Um, then another thing we did a few days later was to uh, create a COVID-19 uh, channel in Slack so that people can self-regulate how much news they want to listen to, because that can also create a lot of anxiety. Um, and also because one day I know I can archive the channel. I'm really looking forward to closing that channel. Um, it doesn't pollute our regular uh, channels. Yeah. Um, and then a few days later, we had our uh, admin HR team say, send a message to everyone who was like, if you need to talk, we're here. Don't be shy, you know, take your time, don't feel bad. Um, and then uh, last week, I finally uh, sent this reminder where I said, I expect everyone's productivity to be cut in half for a while. And that's just a number that uh, doesn't really m mean anything. But um, it, I think it, it, like Natalie was saying, it's all about the uncertainty. So given uh, a clear expectation, like work half the time and that's plenty, uh, I think that uh, everybody can, uh, can work with that. It, it gives you a little more clarity and a little more uh, uh, calm, um, you don't feel guilty about not working as much, you know? So, so that's really it. Um, you know, I also said in the life of a hundred years plus company, two months are just a blip. So who cares? You know, let's, uh, we'll go faster when we're going to go faster again. Now, again, we're not a restaurant. We're not a, you know, a movie theater. We're not a, so many jobs can't afford to, to say that, but, those of us who can, I don't see any reason why we shouldn't. Everybody's slowing down, including your customers. So uh, often we're B2B. So yep. let's all slow down for a while and uh, care about our families and uh, our health and our mental health. And then uh, we'll start again later. Um, somebody asked, uh, with the work half the time, is that permission to take unpaid holiday or is salary being reduced also? We don't track anything anyways. We pay everybody full time all the time. Yeah, same. So for us, uh, it, it's, uh, it's not PTO time or, I mean, we don't really keep an eye. We have PTO for vacations, but this is, nobody's going on vacation right, right. now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just kind of standard operating. And I think Peldy said something that's really important. And I, I was doing an interview with um, uh, the press last week and and i think that this can really that similar uh can similarly can apply to bigger corporations if we're talking about rem uh, remote work is really designed for knowledge workers right so we're talking like office workers for the most part and most of these big big companies people work in the office and they spend 90 percent of their time doing crap right they're not doing actual work so if they just spent an hour or a day saying like what's actually important you know, what do we actually need to get done? Like what's actually going to support our customers or prepare us for when this turns around and whatever, they probably could cut their time by 50% too and give their teams 
that ability to kind of back off and, and be less productive. It's just they're choosing not to do that because a lot of those big corporates are designed uh, to reward and uh, kind of measure by physical butts and seats, not by actual productivity or actual like accomplishment of something. And so they just can't, those are like mental, massive mental shifts that they have to do. But they, I think they could do it easily. Yeah, uh, sorry, I forgot. The other thing is similar to what you said, Natalie, is let's cut down on non-essential. If we're only working half time, well, let's uh, focus on support, right? That, yep. you know, that comes first or issues that in development that affect, that can help the support team. So let's work on those things and not on big new features that will require all this effort. You know, let, let's table those for now. Yeah. Yeah, that was for us a big two is just making sure the support team is the only team that really can't slow down unless the load slows down. So there was a big conversation very early on. It was the day that we kind of, the, the state kind of really started shutting down almost two weeks ago um, where we were like, uh, everybody focus on support first. Like what, is that, what does that team need? Because they have, have the same pressures that we do and the same kids at home that we do and so like how can we all chip in and help them so that's been like a big part that we're right. still trying to figure out one thing we did was we decided to uh ship a lot less often because that way support doesn't have to keep up with what's in the product uh you know that helps them in that way as well um what do i want to say anyways hi joe I'd be, uh, I'd be very curious to know if uh, anybody's got uh, examples of some, uh, some larger organizations who are taking a similar approach, because there do seem to be a few different tracks around this work from home thing from the, geez, we've just got to get our, we've got to do all our work and get our employees through this and it's a total pain that they can't be uh, here. Um, and I think that's going to come back in in the software industry and bite people quite badly because, you know, if you're constantly, um, Stephen Wright, the American comedian, has this um, line about, you know, when you like lean back on your chair and there's that moment just before it um, falls backwards, <clears throat> you know, that's how he feels his whole life. And I think a lot of people feel like like that at the moment. So, you know, are people really realistically going to be doing their best work? Uh, or anything like their best work, or can they do mission critical work, product development, um, you know, sort of work on product when there is that 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 sort of thing going on? I'd, I'd so, you know, please share any uh, any examples from people uh, listening in where uh, you see you see companies taking those those sorts of approaches would be very interested. Definitely. Overall, though, I would say that in the last few days, we've all felt strangely productive. I think that uh, this fact that, you know, uh, work becomes the distraction, the relaxing distraction, the, the fulfilling part of your day uh, more and more. And so, I don't know, we've, we've uh, accomplished quite a few tough projects already and, uh, you know, the, the capacity of humans to get used to anything is just amazing. And so after a few days, you get into a rhythm, you know, it, it does become the new normal. Um, it was surprising to me. I would echo that for our team here. Um, and I mentioned earlier on, um, 
I have no idea what I would have spent my time doing if we didn't have this to put together this week. I, I think world the world is very filled with distractions and I'm very conscious and I'm, I'm quite uh, cognizant of what we do next. And clearly there are a bunch of things that we need to do as a business to, uh, to react and get through this and help the community get through this that we, we work with. But it's also something that we need to think about as the as a as a business so there are different things to, to focus on but i think we need to take a a um a measured approach to that we can't all be full-on and uh you know well i was gonna say don't, i'm not expecting anyone in the office um for the rest of this week but i wasn't expecting anyone in the office for the rest of this week anyway um but uh yeah one, you guys. one thing one challenge that we have as a remote companies is that um it's uh, harder to notice to notice if someone needs help or if someone uh, because they just might slow down the amount of chatting that they do in Slack, right? Or the, you don't even know. Um, so what we've done is with uh, some of my teammates who are you know more of a HR role, we said, all right, let's make sure we monitor these Slack channels for any sort of. Uh, message that could be a veiled cry for help, right? And jump in and make sure there's one person uh, that checks in on that person, uh, you know, just in case. Um, so I'd be even more mindful of, of these uh, uh, up and down um, uh, swings that we all have. So I think uh, for us, we're still in that place uh, for those who have young kids at home, it's, there's no productivity. It's like that part is just, is really, really challenging. And I was talking to somebody on my team yesterday and she had just got off maternity leave and this all hit. And so she's got a really little one and then a three-year-old and her husband. And it's just like, she's just struggling. And I was like, just, just put it away. I mean, it is what it is. Like, there's nothing we can do. So I don't know that I, I hope that we get to a point where there's a good flow, but for now, I think a lot of us, depending on what's going on at home, right? Like the, the the family situation, you know, if you were relying on older parents or grandparents to watch the kids and you're not asking them to come over anymore. And so those are like really big, big impactful things. And the same, like, I think to answer Joe's, like what's been the hardest part, I think is understanding or just supporting people's mental load for me personally, because I have so much of it on myself, right? Like I'm trying to figure out how to be there for people, but I'm also like sleep has been tough and the kids aren't sleeping well because they're feeling the anxiety and I'm not actually physically there. Like last week, Chris and I barely worked. It was just, it was so hard. And we kind of committed to, we did lots of baking, lots of cooking, lots of spending time with the girls. I have a five-year-old and a 10-year-old. So, you know, um, those were really, uh, really like difficult times to be a leader when you're also kind of on your own trying to find sense and, and purpose. So on Thursday, Thursday's our last week of the day of the week. And so last week on Thursday, we just did a Zoom call just to just look at each other and just talk and hang out and share kind of uh, one thing that was important to me was to be able to share ways we're all helping in our communities to give ideas of how others can help because I think there is this feeling of helplessness. Our business, you know, is going to be more resilient than some of our favorite restaurants and, and, you know, other services that we've all used. And so how are people helping donating blood, things like that? Like that was really powerful. People were able to share and think through those things and collaborate on some of those ideas. And then just, 
you know, crack a few jokes, see each other. We put our kids on our laps. So like my five-year-old was on my lap and, you know, a bunch of other kids were there. The kids were sharing their Legos that they built while on quarantine. And so that was really nice. And I think that was just like an important way to end the week to just say, okay, like we're all struggling. And then me being very transparent saying, I've gotten nothing done this week. I'm struggling myself. My mind is not working. I feel for you guys. I know this. And we just all kind of have to try it day by day and see how we can, how we can repair it. Um, I think there's some questions. I don't want to ramble on about things. We also have a, a share how you've been helping session uh, on Wednesday scheduled. That's it's awesome. uh, Mr. Rogers, right? Always look at the helpers. It's, uh, yep. it's so uplifting. It's a wonderful idea. Yeah. Okay. Mark, you're going to pick, pick those questions? Uh, just pick one on uh, okay. mental health and uh, working harder and longer. And I um, mean, we're touching on that, but uh, maybe just to. Yeah. So the question was uh, tips on potential mental health issues. People seem to be working harder and longer hours at the moment, not necessarily detaching at home time. Um, for me, I don't, I don't know that people are working longer and harder. I think people are definitely struggling with the the drawing that dark line or at least any line because there's no set schedules right now, especially we're talking about like with the anxiety and the kids and the kind of disruption of daily life. So uh, the, the best thing that we've been able to, or we're trying to do is really just help people set those lines. So we do one on all our, everybody on the team has a lead. And so like those leads are having one-on-ones with everybody and just continue, you know, it's coming from me consistently. And then it's also coming from the lead saying like, what do you need? How do we cut your schedule down? How do we move things around? If you need to alternate your schedule, like our uh, head of um, director of engineering, she posted her schedule. She's like, here it is. Like, I'm only going to be here for two hours and I'm gone for four hours with the kid. Then I'm coming back. And so kind of leading by example as well to give that permission to um, adjust and figure out what, what works. Pelly, I don't know if you have anything else. Well, no, I mean, the, the, the challenge is if, is that it has to come from the top, right? You can't, uh, you might get pushback, but that that will be pretty terrible if, if you couldn't say, hey, you guys, I can't work as much right now. Uh, yep. But I would be surprised if there are any leaders who are saying, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go, I don't care. Oh, you know, LD, you things can't be are that surprised. I'll send you a list. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Uh, we've all got the list. Uh, yeah, yeah. We've all got the, the list. has been comp compiling a list. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Dan asked advice on how to avoid micromanaging people. Uh, man, that's a good one. I, I've been, so for Peldy and I, and I'm going to speak for Peldy because I, I think I know this, but you know, when you've been doing remote for so long, you realize that the beauty of remote is that you don't micromanage. You just have trust. Everything for remote is built on trust and it's built and your trust is designed based on outcomes. So you don't, doesn't matter how many hours you work. doesn't matter what you do. I mean, you don't want you to work too many hours, but the whole idea is you make a promise, you deliver on it, or you communicate why it's not coming through. And that back and forth is how you trust somebody to disappear for a week and come back and have something great to show you, right? For the teams that are just coming into remote work, I think this is such a massive shift that we have to treat it very differently. And I think some of that micromanagement is actually, it, it should be okay if it's treated as like a temporary thing. So the way I've been kind of trying to coach some teams and just think it through is, um, if we, if you were used to managing a person face-to-face -face, and now all of a sudden you're behind a screen, right? And there's this 
you know, you're not staring at them anymore. You're just waiting for them to deliver on work. I think early on, starting with daily check-ins even to, to start uh, to connect uh, accomplishes two things. I would structure a daily check-in very practically to say, what is, let's make sure we're on the same page on what, what's a priority and what we're actually hoping to get done so that there's no ambiguity. There's no questioning of like what's expected. My expectation, your expectation, we're on the same page. And the second part of that check-in would be like just a, 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 a check-in on how they're doing and like what needs to be adjusted. Because even, and I, I did a panel um, with a few folks and somebody brought this up and I thought this was brilliant. Uh, your best people in the office might not be your best people working remotely, right? You've changed the entire environment. So you want to have those course correction chances early on so that you can adjust. So like, I would say that you, you don't, it's not micromanaging, it's readjusting early on to make sure that everybody feels good and they're now learning how to work together in this remote environment where, you know, your manager doesn't know how to evaluate you in most cases because they've only been evaluating you based on whether you showed up to the office at nine and left at five and you don't know how to present your work in the same way that maybe you used to because again, like you didn't have to communicate so much because maybe you just showed up or maybe you guys talked about something and that felt like it was work, right? Now you have to like present a thing and you have to like post it somewhere and you have to share, you know? And so I think like early on, I don't, we don't do daily standups at all, right? Because I just trust my team and they do their work. But I think this is a different environment where we have to give people the chance to learn how to be remote leaders and remote employees and make sure that that trust is built. Because if that trust breaks, that is much harder to repair, if at all, on remote teams because there's just so much ambiguity and you don't get that kind of face-to-face -face opportunity to fix it. Yeah, I agree. One, one thing that is kind of hard as a leader is that it's so easy to check on every Slack channel. And of course you have an opinion when you see anybody sort of the, the conversation uh, uh, slowing down for a minute. That's, that's, why, you, that's why you're the CEO, right? Um, but every time you jump in, you're undermining their ability to make decisions on their own, right? So what, what we used to have was uh, a few Slack channels, one per team, and I would follow every channel and, uh, you know, and my, uh, sort of not micromanage, but be present all the time. And then we switched to another model, wh which makes it much harder for me to do that, which is every project has a channel for the lifetime of the project. And only the project team, which I'm rarely a, a, a part of, has access to that channel. So everything about that project happens, uh, you know, and they fill me in in other channels, right? More and more open channels of the all hands or whatever. Um, so that made it easy for me not to butt in and gave people safe space to make their own decisions and cut their own feet. So. That's a practical, simple, practical thing. And uh, about one-on-one um, -on -one micromanaging, um, definitely I agree on uh, having uh, daily meetings until it's no longer necessary. Then you switch to every three days. Then you switch to once a week. Then you switch to once a month. Then, you, then that person is better than you and they teach you. <laughs> you know? So definitely uh, give it, make sure that everybody knows that it's a phase it's not forever which is kind of how you onboard new people anyway right exactly right so it's like it is that you want you know the more you can course correct early on the better everybody feels um all right mark asked are you taking things day by day or trying to come up with plans for three months six month lockdown 
um, for us, it's day by day uh, with the assumption that it's, uh, it's indefinite, but it's day by, so I, you know, we're not putting together like a six month plan. We're also, I think for us, at least, I don't know, Pelly, how, cause you guys have been ahead of this. We're not really sure still what the impact is like on us. It's kind of been hard to, so we're making small adjustments, like keeping an eye on things like expenses and, and, you know, and certain projects, but we don't have a plan to launch in June because we were supposed to launch in April, right? We're kind of just like, everything's paused and we'll take it easy. And if things kind of stabilize, maybe we will, we have a couple of projects that I actually think might be really valuable right now. So like we might launch those, but it's just kind of, I, I'm trying to stay off of Twitter in this three month, six month, 18 month. It's too much. All these, all these people became experts all of a sudden. I don't, you know, I saw a guy yesterday. He was like, I only had a fever for three hours. This fever testing isn't valuable. And I was like, okay, we're done here. Like, I don't, you know, everybody's a scientist and a doctor now. Um, but uh, yeah, so for us, it's day by day uh, with just kind of a longer term uh, pressure removing and calm. Right, so for us, we, we always operate on uh, pace over deadlines. So sometimes we go faster, sometimes we go slower. So we, um, we have a quarterly team meetings where each team makes the, a plan for the next quarter. And th those are happening in these days. And so we had one on Friday where we put half the stuff on the roadmap that we would normally put because we know we're going to go half as fast. So the, the, the cadence is the same, but the speed is, is lower. Yeah, actually our quarterly is April 6th. So I guess we'll see what happens, but that's given me enough time because at that point we'll be like four weeks in and I think hopefully we'll have a better sense on what that's going to look like. Uh, the session that we've got just after this is actually going to be looking at some of the scenario planning that people can do um, over longer uh, periods of time. So, I mean, I, I don't think anyone has any real definite sense of how long things will be like they are. Um, I pretty much guarantee that anyone thinks that this is a, oh, how do we get through two weeks working from home? Uh, is going to be uh, very surprised at what uh, comes out the other end, um, but uh, I think there are there are some different things that uh, we can think about there. And so let's focus on a couple of these other questions. There was a great question here. Uh, so Neil's uh, about the good daily schedule, um, and I think also something that feeds into that is Jack Drury's. Um, it's about, they went remote 10 days ago. Their meetings are just depressing, miserable, um, fear-mongering, <laughs> video calls. <laughs> what can we do to do, uh, to do something more constructive? Uh, so I think uh, to Neil's question, uh, schedules are very, to me, very personal, and they really rely heavily on your understanding of how you function, how you uh, prioritize deep work, or how, how you're able to kind of do that deep work. So, that book, uh, Deep Work by Cal Newport, is one of my favorites, and I send it to everybody on the team, and it helps you kind of think through what your schedule should look like. But on a general sense, you know, our your 
you should be creating those breaks when you slow down your, your ability to do good work, right? So if you're writing and you've been writing for 45 minutes or an hour and you're starting to see it slow down, then like generally speaking, you should be getting up and relocating, readjusting. And that's just kind of your brain's, you know, is like well, kind of like a muscle, right? So it needs like that rest and then kind of recovery and then rest and recovery. Uh, I'm not a morning person. So all those people who say the CEOs have to get up at 5 a.m., 4 a.m. and do 90 minutes of exercise and read 20 books. I woke up at nine this morning um, and I think I do a pretty good job. So I think like those things are much less important than it is forcing yourself to go take a walk. And that's actually what makes remote work so beautiful because in offices, I think a lot of times people just sit at their desks because they don't know or they go and they like get water and then come back like that, that ability to like go outside or actually physically do something. So doing laundry is always one of those things that I love talking about, but like folding laundry is a really, really good uh, exercise for your brain because you're doing something mechanical and you're moving and you're kind of like fixing something or, or, or you know, kind of moving your hands, but your brain's actually working in a way that you don't see. And that's just like a really beautiful thing because it gives your brain the time to rest and recover. And then it comes back and answers and does better for you when you sit back down. And the other one that I always tell the team is uh, when you're switching context, like don't just switch context, like physically get up, move, come back and switch. So if you have a laptop, sometimes that means working from a different spot um, it, or it could just means uh, uh, getting up and going to take a walk, uh, getting a snack, coming back down. But those like different works, you know, like a, a video call to then doing some kind of focused writing or, you know, code, like a lot of our engineers do that all the time. Like if they're, they're sitting down to write code, they physically get up, they re kind of move around a little bit, they change something on their desk and they sit back down again. And again, it just sends these triggers. The book's great. I mean, you could, there's all kinds of science around this anyway, but like it's a great trigger for your mind to be able to like, okay, I'm doing something new now. Uh, and it leaves the other thing back there and it puts the other thing up front and you're able to like process better. Yeah, what I would also say is, um, you know, work around your family needs. If you have a family, uh, take the kids to school, go pick them up, uh, help with the chores, you know, um, and, and let that dictate your working schedule. That, it's not the other way around. Because now you're home, you can do these things. You have no excuse. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, but the other thing that I would say is uh, take it, give yourself a break. There's for sure there's going to be uh, the problem that uh, you work too much because it's right there. And so after dinner, you go back to work, right? Um, that's okay. Uh, you're not a failure if you do that. Uh, and you're not a failure if you take a nap after lunch for an hour. If that's what your body needs uh, to be productive later, that's an hour well spent. So you're a superhero if you can take a nap. Like that is the best thing awesome. you can do. Yeah. That's the yeah. best. Yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, so I think that just like with everything, give yourself time to find a rhythm. Uh, try different things. Um, there's a lot of literature online on how to do this, but just, uh, you know, it, it, it takes a while uh, to get into a rhythm and it will change because your needs will change. And, um, but we'll, it's okay. We'll see if we can um, crowdsource some from uh, another people like Jamie Lawrence, uh, who uh, works remotely over in Ireland, who uh, is with us today. And uh, I think he's written some or uh, put some interesting things together. If anyone's got any resources, any 
places, any any thoughts with writing about this, put it in Slack and the collaborative notes, and we'll uh, we'll compile and distribute. But, uh, uh, so yeah, Jack, who asked the question, actually yeah. saying uh, he's watched many Marie Kondo folding videos since this started. Um, I uh, I haven't, but uh, I know I look back. I think to answer Jack's question, though, I, um, I on that panel that I did last week, they were there was a bunch of examples that I wrote down for our team to try. People have been doing like dance parties. People have been doing uh, the watch movies together. They've been playing video games online together. Uh, I think something that we do is we do a, a Friday demo day once a month, and uh, this was pre-COVID, but you know, like you could kind of give people something to share. Like I said, we did with the kids. I mean, having the kids do their shares and they're seeing their other, their like other kids on the screen. One, a bunch of these kids haven't seen other kids in a while. So it was nice to see kids and share. I think just spend five minutes thinking about something that's not COVID <laughs> and like figure out something that, you know, uh, you know, hobbies or, or an activity or something, you know, do you have anybody funny on your team? You know, something like that. But I think, uh, you know, the pub quiz, like that's great and anything you can do. And also maybe you don't have to do them every week if you don't need them, right? Like, I mean, do them as much as you need um, as it feels right as well. Right. Yeah, social social uh, engagement is a, is a problem with remote work. And so you really have to work at it. We've been doing things for years and maybe we'll do something for a couple of years, then uh, people lose interest, we do something else. This, the secret is really to give it a little bit of structure so that it's not just everybody moving around. So we do um, personal Pecha Kucha presentations. So 20 slides, five seconds per slide. And you can either teach something you know or talk about you or your, your history. We have media club where we agree to watch a movie and, and then uh, we, we get online and we discuss it. We have uh, Friday Fun Times, which is four random people in a, in a breakout, um, and they just talk about weekend plans. Um, we have uh, Friday Philosophical Times, which is instead uh, discussions about tough topics like, can you separate the art from the artist, you know, stuff like that. Um, so it's, uh, it's a lot. Um, uh, you have to sort of throw everything you have at it, be, especially right now, I would think. Um, but uh, yeah, you have to keep working at it. Yeah, we call it the intentional water cooler. And I think like a lot of these teams, they throw up Slack and they have a Slack general and they hope that that's going to be the community. But what happens is just, hi, hey, hi, BRB, back. Okay, see you, have a good weekend. Like that's the entire Slack channel. And especially if you're distributed, it's just completely useless so we do little things like monday morning an email goes out and says like how was your weekend and you can upload photos and share and people post pictures of like their kids and things they've been doing and so like you know just like there has to be some we learned this a few years ago like really has to be very intentional and so now like we have somebody on my team who handles that all right uh, I'd, I'd add that I think same goes for uh, working from home. If you're blessed with a family or particularly a family um, who are young or um, somewhat alpha, um, certainly our behaviours at uh, home are changing as well. I'm just going to share a uh, PowerPoint presentation uh, in Slack that uh, 
uh, my eldest did, um, which uh, she presented at the weekend, and uh, they both seem to be thoroughly enjoying um, things like that. So that PowerPoint is uh, her explanation of why I am Shrek, as far as I can see. Um, so uh, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily recommend having children or any of that kind of stuff. <laughs> okay, let's uh, have a, another one. This is a, a great one on sync versus async. And um, we've done a number of talks over the years where I think one of the things that comes out of remote working is that async communication um, is a, an incredibly important way of doing things. And you know, not having to have everybody on video conferencing or video meetings um, for a start is a, is a, is a good uh, thing. But maybe you guys can address that. Paddy, you want me to go? Yeah, you go, because I'm a contrarian here. Um, so we, uh, we optimize for async uh, as much as possible. And the reason we do that is because we have folks on different time zones and everything a while but is around focus work so you know we do 32 hour work weeks because we maximize the amount of time that everybody can get their deep deep work done so we try to meetings that require um uh, let me put it this way so most most things get posted to like a base camp or an email or like you know jira whatever uh it's for discussion and the discussion happens there and two things that we that gives us two things one it gives people a chance to reply when they're ready uh when they've had some time to process which is really important and also just when they're physically ready because we're now not adding more meetings to their calendar and trying to have discussions around stuff that said we go to we go to zoom calls pretty regularly if anything involves a discussion if it starts to feel hard so if we're like back and forth two three times and it's not getting anywhere it's a zoom call it's like let's just get it out of the way if uh, there's even a tinge of frustration in somebody's voice, and you learn this after a while working with people, if you sense something in, in written word, and there is tone in written word, uh, if you sense even a little bit of something, that goes to Zoom, because I don't do passive aggressive, and I don't let anybody go to leave while, but at the end of the day, feeling frustrated about each other. Uh, and then anything big strategic goes to Zoom. So like, I'll give you the, like, our standard face-to-face -face meetings every week, pre-COVID were uh, a 30-minute check-in on each team. So each product team has a 30-minute check-in on Monday and then a 30-minute check-in with their lead at some point through the week. And then the leads, our leadership team, meets for 90 days every Thursday. Or, sorry, for 90 minutes every Thursday. And that's the only standing meetings that we should all have. And then I have one-on-ones with my team, right? So like that with, with the leads. So those are, so we kind of, for most of the team, they have an hour standing meeting. That's it, like an hour worth of time. So out of their 32 hours, they have an hour worth of standing meetings. Those little, like we work just like Peldy, like we work in small product project teams. Those teams probably meet synchronously more often as needed to just get stuff done. And so we really rely on them to be comfortable. But because they work in such small teams, there's a lot less like sharing and having to explain yourself. So sometimes it's just a lot easier to pop into something and be like, I'm doing this thing. What do you think about this? Like, let's, you know, let's just decide on this and move on. Uh, so we try to do as much asynchronously as possible. And it really does help with the time zones and it really does help with giving people space to think. 
Uh, and one thing we do to make sure things don't go to die, you know, like whenever you post something and then it, you know, nobody replies and no answers, we, we require every post has a, who needs to answer it? What am I looking for? And when is it due? So if you're need an answer from somebody, you say, I'm specifically looking for, you know, uh, feedback from Natalie and Chris, and I need feedback directly on this decision, not like the colors or the, you know, the low, like I need this decision and I'm going to go live with this, or I'm going to move on uh, at the end of the day on Friday. So I'd really like a response by Friday. And so then it puts the responsibility on me to be able to say like, I got to schedule this, give myself some time to think and respond. All right, Tony. That sounds nice. Um, I have a bit of a chip on my shoulder about this topic because somehow it is, uh, it seems like if you're not doing everything a sync, you're, you're not really, we're doing remote now, uh, right. But, um, we don't, we have a lot of meetings. Um, what we do, we have people in California and Italy. So, uh, that's nine hours time zones difference. So there's only what we call the golden hour, which is 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. California and 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Italy, where we can, it sort of overlaps uh, uh, work, uh, working hours, although 8 a.m. for California is pretty early. Um, and so that's, in that hour, I probably have a meeting every day and a lot of the teams have meetings every day, because that's the only hour we have to sort of do a lot of things, work on projects, uh, you know, things that cannot, that are not working synchronous, uh, asynchronously, you know, like you said, but even just, uh, you know, working from home gets pretty lonely after a couple of years. And even just having a weekly with your team, just to spend 20 minutes checking in on everybody, how you're doing, just seeing other humans, uh, you know, that's definitely valuable. Um, so we meet, whenever is necessary we don't really uh also i think it comes from me because i can't write down what i'm thinking uh without discussing it with someone i just i, I have to talk it through with someone in order to think it so uh i've never been able to uh oh hello someone else has joined um so anyways i lost my turn of thought but Meet as much as you want, basically. <laughs> see what see what works for your team. Depends on how many time zones you have. Depends on lots of things. But uh, asynchronous is the default inevitably because they're asleep while you while you're talking about it. You know, <laughs> while while you're uh, writing down the next project or whatever. I mean, we used to have uh, our team was in Siberia for a long time before they moved to the states. It was a twelve hour time time zone difference, and so. They, when they moved to the States, they realized how much more productive they were back then. They moved to the States, they're like, oh shit, all we do is talk to each other all day. I don't want to talk to you. I just want to work. Because it's like, they're asleep. Chris and I are doing stuff. We're asleep. They're doing stuff. And it's like, you kind of have that golden hour, like you said. But other than that, it was like, we were so productive. Uh, so there's a question from Bridget Lab. That's Bridget Harris from, uh, hi, Bridget. hi Bridget, from You Can Book Me. Um, who's, uh, I know, doing some amazing things at the moment, um, making uh, You Can Book Me available for various kind of school projects and things, as well as uh, kind of uh, normal stuff. So great to have you. Thank you. Uh, given the constraints of the golden hour, uh, are there compensations for having someone working for you West Coast? Would you recommend that over and above the contra habits, Peldy? So 
Sorry, trying to read it. Uh, I don't understand the question. Oh, because it's early? Uh, I guess because there's actually very little time when everyone's synced up. So what are the what are the benefits of not being synced up? Maybe Natalie. Oh, it is a benefit that. for sure. Hmm. It is a benefit. We can, uh, uh, well, the reason we are spread out like this is because we compete on customer service. And I want us to be able to reply to support tickets for as much of the 24 hours as possible. Right now, I think we cover 17, which is awesome. Uh, and also uh, testing, you know, the developers are here, they go to sleep the morning, they have a bunch of bugs because that's been tested. Uh, ops, we have web services that need to stay up. So we have people here and there that know how to turn up. It's amazing. Uh, there's, uh, benefits that I would never give up for sure. There you go. Follow-up question. If you if you did it again, would you still hire on the West Coast? We're, we're still, yeah, for sure. We're still good. So we, uh, our thing was my one time zone restra restraint is I won't hire anybody that won't have overlap. So Peldy's is a golden hour. Probably wouldn't be enough for me. I would want a little bit more than one hour. And that our culture and our like our team community is so vital to our success that like for us to not have so like we've never been able to hire in Australia because um, we'd never see each other and I don't want anybody to feel like contractors and that like that just became really important that was like a cultural decision that we made so we can't have 24 hour support which we'd really love to at some point but either while but gets big enough where that becomes its own team, kind of how Polly was able to have like a California team. I Bridget has like a Spanish team. We don't really have single locations like that. We're just spread out all over the world. And I just wouldn't want one person somewhere in New Zealand or Australia and has no contact to anybody and feels like a remote, like a, a contractor and not a part of our a core team. Thanks for listening to the Business of Software podcast. For more information, go to businessofsoftware.org. 